Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. If you've ever experienced anxiety, you will know that it is beyond a sensation. It is something that is deep and tangible, and it's something that millions of people suffer with every day. This episode will explore it from the position of the personal upgrade. Now, typically, when we talk about anxiety, that's the actual Axis 1 from the DSM diagnosis of clinical anxiety, which is usually termed generalized anxiety disorder, GAD. When somebody is assessed for this, firstly, they have a thorough assessment, and if they tick enough boxes from the DSM criteria, they score the diagnosis of anxiety. Traditional means of therapy includes looking at CBT, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, we've talked about in the past. Essentially, this therapy is so highly regarded just because it's had so much research in it. No other therapy has been examined so much. So it's my contention that there are many other therapies out there that are very valid. This one has just got so much research behind it. It's kind of like if you were talking about pharmaceuticals and there was the old boy on the block, something that's been around for years, it's got massive amounts of evidence behind it, and suddenly a new drug comes out. Sure, it might be comparable, might even be a little bit better, but trying to get that to take off where we have mountains of evidence behind the old one makes it tricky to transition. So speaking of medications, if somebody is diagnosed with anxiety, typically they'll be seen by their doctor and they'll they may talk about the pharmaceutical approach, and typically this starts with some sort of generic SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and they might move on to other types of therapies. And this has utility. So if you're in a really bad place, go get your treatment, get your CBT, uh, see your doctor, do whatever they tell you to. But If it's a little more mild, so it's not actual anxiety, so it's just a stress state, then consider the personal upgrade approach to it. Consider the episode on emotional alchemy where we looked at Pluchek's emotional wheel and how you can use compound emotions to transition from one state to another. There are so many other aspects which we look at and the one I'd like to focus on today is directly from the AlphaDude system. And that always begins with step one. Step one is mathematical personal growth. So this is all about subtracting the negative. We can never build on a shaky foundation if you want fantastic results. The Alpha Dude system is made up of the four A's which we've discussed in past episodes. And this is based on communicating to yourself first and then the other person about who you are and what you're all about. But before you do these add-ons, you must subtract all the negative stuff. And this can be done through working out what you are responsible for in your life. 
once you've truly understood what you are responsible for, then you can learn to grow and get out of that place where you were stuck. And what is it that you're responsible for? If you look at it very carefully, there are a few things that we don't have any part to play. Sure, we're not all blessed with the same genetics, with the same abilities, with the same freedoms, parents, countries, all of these sort of tangible things, but every social experience can be drastically changed just by the way in which we act. So realizing that each of these we actually are responsible for is uncomfortable, but it's also empowering because it takes us to the next level where we develop our own autonomy. And from this standpoint, we have a strength, we have a strong, solid foundation where we can take responsibility for the bad, but this opens the door for empowering us to take responsibility for what happens to us in the future. And this is all about creating your destiny. So you look at what you're responsible for, you realize where you've made mistakes in the past, you realize your limitations of where you've started, the things that you can't control, and how there's so many few aspects of that that play into it. And then you simply go through the acceptance process of it. You accept everything that's happened to you. It's only when you fight against things that you find things really hard to address. So accepting it is step one. Step two is realizing that you have control. And step three is using that control to move forward. Just to give an example of how this works, if you've heard the episode on Tony Robbins, when I attended his event, there was a lady that stood up and she went on about how her parents put her in this situation and her parents won't let her become happy and she blames everything and has no responsibility for anything that happened to her. Subsequently, things just didn't work out for her. Now, Tony held her feet to the fire and she walked out of that engagement firstly really startled. There was something that was really interesting of watching somebody being pulled up on their rubbish in front of thousands of people in a setting that would normally make someone uncomfortable but he just went there and at the end of it she was a little bit shaken up but the next day you could see that she was so happy that the intervention had taken place and from that standpoint she started to let go of that anxiety that was holding her back and this was all predicated on understanding that you have to be responsible for what happens in your life. Once you understand that, you can subtract all that negative stuff and then you have that strong foundation to build on. You use the AlphaDude system, the four A's, the attitude, aptitude, altitude, and amplitude of the AlphaDude system. You build yourself up, as I said, to communicate to yourself firstly that you have what it takes, that you really can do it. And then secondly, once you are displaying these four A's, other people pick up on it and it becomes a cycle where other people see it, they treat you in a set way, you see it in yourself, you treat yourself in a set way and it becomes a little bit of a cycle. This is where the metacognition comes in, not the classical and learning theory but the one that we talk about where we think about our thoughts based on our successes and we just grow on it. We celebrate these little victories 
and eventually it becomes a part of who we are. Finally, the last step is self-sabotage. This is where we get that little voice in our mind, it doesn't work. You might go through this process and then find that, hey, you're anxious later on. The thing is that I've seen this many hundreds of times. Often when people say it doesn't work, it actually means I won't work. The fact is once you've heard this or once you've learned it or applied it, it's not really enough. It's something that takes focus and time and technique. If you have been anxious all your life, you may expect that there'll be a massive change in how you feel. But to have a long-term outcome, it's a little bit dubious. What you need to do is to take it one step at a time. Realize that you have the blueprint, that you know what you need to do. And then from this standpoint, continue to work on it. Work the game. Continue to make it so it's internalized. Get that metacognition so it's working on a day-by-day basis. Many people I speak to about this are like, that sounds so exhausting. Two, two responses to this. Firstly, is that the juice always has to be worth the squeeze. So if you're putting unrealistic expectations on yourself, then maybe the juice is not worth the squeeze. But if you really dig deep and look at everything that it has cost you by putting this anxiety wall in the way, surely the results of overcoming it would be massive. And from this standpoint, the juice is often worth the squeeze. Speaking of juice, this leads us into the next point, and that is that we have to eat every single day. So ask yourself, is this exhausting? You have to take a breath every single minute, several times. Your heart has to pump blood around your body around 60 times, give or take, every single minute. You have to eat every day, you have to go to the toilet, you have to shower every day, you have to do all of these things. It sounds exhausting, right? So put it in context. Personal growth is a process that we apply to ourselves and we do this on an ongoing basis. Only once we realize that this is a process, that this is a journey, not a destination, we start to realize that slowly and slowly we start to overcome where we've come from and the new challenges that we get are bigger and better. And if you don't hang your identity too early on where you are, this identity starts to grow bigger and bigger and you won't recognize yourself after a prolonged period of trying all of this stuff out. Let's just finish on a few final tips. The first one is that it's easy to talk about all of this, but if you're going through it, it's incredibly hard. So if you have what you think might be the Axis 1 generalized anxiety disorder, then you need to get professional help. If you're just stressed, maybe consider the stuff that we've talked about today. When you go through the process, make sure that you have a way to get out of your headspace because we're our own echo chambers, and if you're stuck in there, you're going to hear nothing but your own voices and your own thoughts and it's just going to overpower you. The way to do this is to change state. 
change that voice, maybe make it that Mickey Mouse voice or that sexy voice or whatever changes the voice in your head. And the way to do that is to capture a thought. Step one to do that is to become mindful, not mindful meditation, just mindful of where you are. And the five to one is really good. That's what's five things I can see, four things I can feel, three things I can hear, two things I can smell, one thing I can taste, whatever it is. Or the five and five, what's five things I can see and what's five things that are related to that. So you might look at your desk, you might see the laptop and you see, well, I see the light on, I see the screen, I see the black keys, I see the brand name, whatever it is. And then you look over and you see the pen and start describing that. Once you get that six to nine bits of conscious attention out of your head and into the moment, you have that break state. From that break state, you have an amazing ability to do whatever you need to do. And that means all of the exercises, NLP techniques, whatever it is, that adaptive distancing is imperative. So that's a massive tip. Just make sure you're doing that before you go into this. You can never solve a problem in the same headspace in the way that you created it. So you must break the state. And to summarize, anxiety, if you use a personal approach, approach, realize that you do mathematical growth first. Subtract the negative first. Take responsibility. Accept what you have done and what you're responsible for. Make a decision to resolve, to change things, and then move on. And step two is the second part of mathematical personal growth, and that's by adding things onto it. The four A's of the Dude system. This communicates, number one, to yourself that you're good enough, and number two, to everyone else around you, that you are also good. Well, not good as in like looking for appreciation, but good as in you're capable, that you're there, that you are the person that you need to be. You're fulfilling your potential. This brings us to the third point, which is about metacognition. From here... You think about thinking, you think about your thoughts, and you realize, hey, these last five people I've talked to all treat me with respect. I recently got uh, promoted. Uh, I recently got congratulated on this. I recently achieved this goal. So it becomes part of your identity just by thinking about it. And this happens unconsciously, but by being consciously aware of it, you can expand on the process. And finally, Make sure that you look out for self-sabotage. The most common thing of this doesn't work. It's not so much about this stuff not working. It's usually about us and that we don't work. Realize that if this has been a long, deep-seated issue, then it's going to take a long time to fully approach it. But that doesn't mean you can't make massive changes right now. Take responsibility. Focus. Give it the time and technique that it deserves. And also, remember, you need to break state. You can never solve these problems in the way that they were created in the same headspace. There are two types of anxiety, endogenous and exogenous. Endogenous is really tricky because it's when other people can't really see what the problem is. It's coming from within. It's the Hollywood star who's got it all but still commits suicide. It's your friend that looks like they've got it all together but deep down they're dying. Contrast this to the common 
exogenous depression. And that's when things are bad on the outside. You know, the person who's had the divorce, the person going through financial difficulties, or even worse. Speaking of worst, we've got our coaches back on. And today we've got Eric. He owns an MMA gym and he has gone through his share of adversity. Listen to his story and see all the adversity that he's had to overcome. See how he's done it and hopefully the message will inspire you in some way. Here is Eric. What's going on, guys? My name is Eric Allen. I'm the owner of Top Rated MMA and BeardedBiz.com. I grew up in a typical household, I thought. You know, I have a younger sister. My parents were married. We would go to Sunday school, and I was that kid who would shove G.I. Joe's in my pockets before I left the house. So I'd get to Sunday school, and I'd excuse myself, and then get to the bathroom and just play with my G.I. Joe's. But, you know, my parents, they got divorced when I was 11 years old. My dad was an alcoholic. He, he was an abusive alcoholic. He was just quiet. I don't know what that the reasoning was, but when my parents got divorced, it was really heartbreaking for myself. And then my mom immediately got together with another guy who was extremely abusive. I mean, I watched my mom get beat up multiple times. Cops were always at my house and she never pressed charges. And so it was the strangest thing to me to see that. And then when I was 12, she said, we're moving to Montana with her and that, and that boyfriend of hers. And so I had to leave my friends that I had known my whole life. I had to leave my dad and what I'd known to go to a new school, partially through my eighth grade year, and then would end up living there in Montana through my freshman year of high school and up there was just hell it really was we had five acres of property uh, that we rented or off the highway there in the Bitterroot Valley and we had two ponds on the property I'd go out there and watch the deer and and shoot the BB gun around and we had horses for some strange reason and it was just really beautiful there in the Bitterroot Valley the problem was there wasn't room for me in the house that we moved to I had a younger sister and my mom and this boyfriend had a son together. They built up this plastic wall in the garage. Uh, there was a fireplace out there and they stuck my bed out there. And that was where I lived when I was 12 years old. And it was great during the summer, right? But during the winter, I'd be stoking the fire and, and trying to stay warm and make sure that it was filled with logs before I would go to sleep so that it would stay warm and going as long as it could through the night. And I remember nights just being so cold, even with like 10 blankets on and in my long johns trying to stay warm. And that was what I lived with in Montana. And again, the abuse for my mom's boyfriend didn't stop in Washington. So it continued in Montana, only it was worse because the police were 20, 25, 30 minutes away from our house. And I'll tell you a story of something that happened in Montana that made the most impact on me. There's a lot of craziness, lots. But one night when it was about 12 a.m., you know, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm 13 years old, my brother's asleep, and my sister was staying at her friend's house. My mom and her boyfriend came back and they were arguing, nothing unusual. As I'm brushing my teeth, something told me to look around the corner to see what's going on. And so the way the house was set up was if I'm in the bathroom and I peek this way out the door, I would hit the kitchen and then the pantry and then the garage to where I would stay. And so as I peeked around the corner, I see my mom's boyfriend on top of her, just pounding, boom, boom, boom one after the other. And so I have to think, how can I get out of this situation? How can I end this? And so the first thing that came to mind was grab a, a pan, which I grabbed one of those cast iron, heavy duty pans, the ones that you would take camping with you. And I got a pretty good swing playing baseball, so I snuck up behind him and I just took a swing as hard as I could. Boom! And I saw the back of his head split and he turned around and he said, what the f And about mid-sentence, I took another swing. Boom! and I split his face open. Blood was coming down and he stood up, 
still had knocked him out somehow, but I think he was just so drunk he wasn't feeling it. But he stood up and he started to yell at me as I fell over. And I remember looking up and I see my mom just one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. Probably five, six shots in a row that she landed on his chin and blood was splatting on the wall behind him. And again, the police finally came and he was arrested, taken to jail for the night. My mom went and bailed him out the next morning. Now, I left Montana shortly after that to go live with my dad, back to my hometown, and started hanging out with guys that were really great dudes, but we just did some bad things. Where we started to, you know, hey, let's smoke some pot. Oh, hey, let's go take some opium. Oh, hey, let's go smoke some hash. Oh, hey, do you have mushrooms? Oh man, I can't afford that $5 hit of acid. Let's go buy a $2.50 bottle of Robitussin and DM because it'll make me hallucinate, right? So I started to, to get into the drugs. I wasn't paying attention to school. I barely graduated high school. My senior year, I was arrested for having a bong. The, the police raided a campground that we were at and my bong was sitting on the campground table. So I was arrested. I had to spend 24 hours in jail and my dad didn't know. I skipped school early so I could go to check in on in jail on a Friday night and then I was released on Saturday. About a year after I graduated high school, some friends had asked if I wanted to move to Seattle with them and I said, Heck yeah. And so I moved up there with $100 in my pocket. I slept on floors of people's houses that I didn't even know. I slept on couches of people's houses that were a friend of a friend. I was smoking pot. I was drinking heavily. Somebody introduced me to cocaine. Man, it was just a crazy life. But I worked my way back into the music business and I was super excited because I, I got to work for Universal Records and it was awesome. I did this for a year. I also had open tab. I was working at Starbucks as a night manager part-time while I was in the music business. And at my one year mark, of being in the music business, I was laid off. This was during the Napster times. It just killed the music business. So I was this depressed dude. I was in this ghetto apartment and I'd be drinking beer every night and smoking pot and smoking my cigarettes off my balcony. One night at, at Starbucks while I was working, this girl was in there doing homework or studying and does, wasn't drinking coffee. And she had asked me if I wanted to go to a church event. And I said, well, sure, I'd go help you know, whatever, just go see what the event was about. It was for young adults. And me and this girl connected and that was it. And so after she asked me to attend this church event, even though I didn't know God at the time, it was a seed that was planted by this girl. And I remember Easter morning waking up after a night of partying, I was managing a band and there was about 15 people passed out in this basement around me at one of the bandmates houses. And I woke up and I looked around and I thought, man, this is crazy. And I felt God cut these strings and bring me closer to him. And I quit cold turkey, smoking cigarettes, doing drugs, drinking alcohol right there. And I gave my life to Christ in that basement by myself. So then I called that girl that I met from Starbucks and I just left her a voicemail. And I said, hey, I hope you have a great Easter. Hope to talk to you soon. Flash forward a few months later, we were dating. Flash forward a year, we were married. We've now been married close to 15 years, which is more than both of our parents were married. And God just had this plan for us to be together. We are leaving a legacy for our kids. We're raising our kids in an environment that neither of us were raised in. So we were born at different days and different years, but the exact same minute. Apparently it's not a world record. I tried with Guinness World Records. We have wonderful kids. We're raising them in a loving environment. We're raising them without addiction, without divorce, without the craziness. God had a plan for us this whole time. God had a plan for me. You know, and the funny thing is, is I always wanted to be this entrepreneur. I always wanted to be this speaker. I always wanted to share my story. Well, here I am almost 40 years old and sharing my story with you now. And it's definitely a weight off my shoulders. I'll tell you that much. You know, now looking back at my life, I'm like this morning in prayer, I'm thinking, 
man, God, you had this plan in my life. You had protected me from so much stuff as a child and in my mid-20s. And now look at I am extremely blessed. And I just want to say, whatever you're going through, you'll get through it. And if you need help, reach out to somebody. Man, God has a plan for you. And I just want to say, you are awesome. You're amazing. And I hope that if there's anybody out there that needs help or would like to work with me, please reach out. I'd love to share my story with you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.